you know, with all the chaos going on in the world right now, the book of Psalms is a good place to spend some time in. And uh, I'm going to give you kind of the backdrop to Psalm 3 before we uh, get into it. And um, the backdrop for Psalm 3 is 2 Samuel 15. I'm not going to read it to you. I was thinking of reading the chapter, but uh, I'm going to kind of just summarize it. But uh, what's going on is Absalom, David's son, starts hanging around the gate of the palace. And people come to David to to get some judgment on matters. They come to to kind of share their needs and concerns. And uh, what he's doing is he kind of stops and hears them out. And he hears their concern and gives them some counsel. Or he definitely had the means to maybe help out some folks. And and, uh, and basically he he was kind of intercepting people who were coming to see David and planting this thought. If David really cared for you, he'd put some people over this to kind of care for your needs. And um, just kind of lo- loosely summarizing, maybe you can read that on your own in 2 Samuel 15. And whatever happening, the Bible tells us that he stole the heart of the people. Then he goes to his dad and says, hey, I'm going to go away. And, uh, uh, you know, he said, I got to c- fulfill a vow that I had made. And he kind of sneaks off. But what he was actually doing was he goes then and feels like he's ready now to start recruiting. And he goes out and he starts getting an army together. And, uh, and then one of the people he recruits is a man by the name of Ahithophel. Ahithophel is one of David's closest advisors, uh, a counselor of his. And, um, and uh, so, so basically what he's doing is, he, is Absalom has stolen the heart of the people. He's taken his closest advisor and counselor, Ahithophel, and, um, and he's I think it's definitely implied in there, he's taken a good chunk of his army, his generals, his, his leaders, if you would. He's got his own army together. And word gets back to David. And so what he does instantly is uh, he starts kind of getting everybody together, and he says, well, let's, let's evacuate, let's get out of here, so he doesn't take us by surprise. And, and in the middle of the night, they start evacuating the palace, and he leaves, he leaves a few women behind to kind of keep the palace, but, but uh, he sends it out, and, and some reasoning is really interesting. What he says is he he's kind of lays it out that he wants to try to protect some of the people around about the palace. In other words, he was willing to run rather than hurt others. He was willing to run rather than even split his own home. And, uh, but he takes off. And no doubt, he's uh, discouraged. He even tells one man who is, who is kind of new. It's kind of a, uh, a little bit of a comical uh, interaction between uh, him and another guy. They're all kind of exiting the palace. And, uh, and he stops a guy and basically says, wait a minute, you're new. <laughs> he says, you've just been with us since yesterday. He said, why don't you stay back you can give your allegiance to Absalom. I mean, the language in David's, uh, what David is saying is almost sounds like Absalom is going to win. He's going to take over. So you can just imagine the discouragement in his own heart. But he tells this guy, why don't you just stay back? And I love what the man says. He's brand new, working in the palace, working for David. And he just swears his allegiance to the king. And he just tells him, you know, wherever you're going to be, that's where I'm going to be. You know, and, and he says, uh, whether in life or in death, and he just gives this, this speech of just, you know, I'm your man, David. <laughs> and then David simply just says, all right, you may pass on through. <laughs> like, like, after that, that's the best you can say. But, but anyways, uh, uh, so you can imagine what's going through his mind. David's now, you know, keep in mind, before he was king, he spent a lot of his life on the run, didn't he? 
running from King Saul and his people. He had his faithful, uh, mighty men with him, but he lived in caves and so forth. Now, you know, you think things have settled down. He's in the palace, but now he's on the run yet again. And it's from that heart we get Psalm 3. So it says here, and uh, even before the first verse, it says our Psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son, it says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, and the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth to the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. And I want to kind of uh, dissect this. It's really broken down into four parts that we're going to look at. And why don't we ask God's blessing on uh, this message tonight. Father, I do thank you that you've given us a book perfectly preserved for us today. And to think of the lessons of the lives and even imperfect people like David that we can glean from and Lord, I pray that you help us as we zero in on David's devotion life, as he looked to you as his salvation. Father, I pray that we would all look to you in times of need, in times of crisis, in times when we feel like, uh, like there are enemies all around us. And Lord, may we find comfort and rest in you, that our confidence would be in God and not in man. We love you, Father, and we pray that you bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1, again, it says, How are they increased that trouble me? You ever felt like that? Like, like, like it's not just, oh, this person's giving me a hard time, but it seems like they're increased, the ones that are troubling me. Like, like they're getting promotions. They're the ones that are getting ahead, or everyone's kind of hearing their side of the story and not taking my side, right? And like, how are they increased? It doesn't make any sense. I remember uh, one time in high school, um, I was going through a really tough time. And it felt like on top of this tough time, all my closest friends, like, just got busy. It's not like they were against me, but they just kind of got busy. And it's like, I need a friend right now. And, uh, and it's amazing how, how the devil just kind of, you know, not only are you going to go through this trial, but you're going to go through it alone. Right? I'm going to just make sure everyone's busy. You see, it's not, it wasn't even necessarily malicious. But, but, it, but here, David, you know, and then keeping the context, who are they that are troubling him? His son, his counselor, he writes a whole other psalm on that one, his closest advisor. Uh, how David's heart was so broken when he finds out Ahithophel is working for the enemy. Right? I mean, can you just imagine someone so close, someone that you've, you've confided in, has been secretly like a spy going to, the other, going to an enemy. Oh, how that must have hurt. I think of maybe his generals and some other folks that have, had have crossed over. They're troubling him. He says, many are they that rise up against me. And as we look at this, we consider David's kind of uh, uh, devotion with the Lord. 
uh, just a couple of things come to mind. As we see here, really a saint of God, uh, really sharing his griefs to the Lord. A couple of thoughts when we, when, we, when we come to this. First of all, that's the right thing to do. Who, where do you bring your complaint? Well, we bring it to Facebook, obviously. Isn't that where it belongs? <laughs> we, we start calling people on the phone. We start seeing how we can maybe manipulate situations. We tell our grief to everybody but God. And then we late, late in the night, you, you can't sleep. It's the only thing running through your mind. You're tossing and turning. And then you might think, you know, there is one that can listen right now. You know, you could have had sleep, sound sleep a minute ago. But now you're, you know, it's four in the morning. You think, you know, if I finally talk to God about this thing. But you know, we're so stubborn and we're so self-sufficient in our own mind. We think, uh, I don't need to trouble God with this. I, I, I'll figure it out. It's amazing. Here's David, the king. Surely he had resources. He had a military. He had those mighty men. Have you read the stories of the mighty men? And you're afraid of your son, David? <laughs> I mean, we can, we can reason it, humanly speaking, and kind of look at all these avenues, but I just want to say this. It is the right thing to do to come to God. He says, Lord, and then he lays out the complaint. It's the proper... Uh, uh, he did it in the proper manner of, of, of sharing it and telling it to God. And, and uh, you know, and, and the, the, the results really rest in this, this kind of, this holy communication with God. Prayer. That's God's really, his, his divine method means for us to unburden ourselves before him. Uh, how, how is it that Peter worded it? Casting all our care upon him, for he careth for you. You know, to, 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 to cast off, to unburden, to completely let go. Jesus said this way in his earthly ministry that, that, that he says, uh, he says uh, take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. My, uh, uh, my, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Why? Well, we carry heavy burdens. And, and he says, why don't we do a little exchange here? I, I love that passage. I think I've shared it before. Uh, when he talked about a yoke. What is the yoke? The yoke is the, is the bar, if you would, that ties the two oxen together and they, and they carry a burden together. The burden is a plow or, or, a, or a, 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 a carriage or whatever it is that they're, they're, they're pulling and, uh, and, and they're tied together with this yoke. Well, the two of them can do a whole lot more than each of them can do separately. Okay? So they're carrying this burden and they're, they're going somewhere with it. And so the idea is this, that, 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 that all ye that are uh, laden in heavy burden, he says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And it's the idea of, uh, of here, let's share this burden. Let's, let's carry it together and, and you're going to find it a bit easier. You're going to find it a little bit lighter. That's how we unburden ourselves. We, we come before the Lord and, and, and by the way, you're not going to surprise him. Ooh, I wasn't ready for that prayer. What am I going to do with that one? And he's, he starts sweating. Ah, I promised I would meet his needs, and I don't know what to do with this one. God is never stressed. He's never fretted about, about any of the problems that we have. Let me say this. When we, uh, we may uh, expect troubles to increase, when, when these things are happening, he said, uh, a couple of thoughts, you know, why, why are they sent? What is our wisdom as we, as we look to them and we bring it to the Lord? Well, what, is it, what is the angle that we are coming from? He says this, How are they increased to trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. His assessment of the situation. Verse 2, Many that there be which say of my soul, There is no help for, uh, for him in God. 
In many of the Psalms, David kind of points this out, that there's almost like a mockery sense of his enemies. You know, where's your God, David? You know, the one, he's a sweet psalmist of Israel, right? Where's the God you keep singing about? Where's the God you were speaking about? Where is that God that you claimed helped you take down the giant? Or the lion and the bear? And, you know, they, they know David's story by now. They sang that song, uh, David had slayed his tens of thousands. And they know the story. Where's your God, David? Many there be that say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. By the way, for Absalom, for his son to go against him, he has to be fully convinced God's not going to save him from this one. By the way, a little backstory, and this is another message for another time, but Absalom was eaten up with bitterness because his dad never dealt with some issues in the home. Say, what were some of the issues in the home? Well, Absalom had a half-brother who violated his half-sister. Absalom gave David two years to act. David never acted. So Absalom killed his brother Amnon. That didn't see that, that didn't calm him. That wasn't enough. You see, the seed of bitterness had already been planted until it got to the point where he's coming for dad. He's going to take over his kingdom. See, there were some issues in the home, and, and, uh, and this is what was going on. And so, so in Absalom's mind, think about this now. He may very well have been justified in his mind. Well, dad's in the wrong. So I'm going to overthrow him. I'm going to slay him. I'm going to take the kingdom, and, and on and on. Here we see uh, uh, really a lie against the, the saint and his God. Many there be that save my soul. There's no help for him in God. And I love the psalmist. He uses the word there then, Selah. That's a musical term you're going to see pop up several times in the psalms. And, and, uh, and there's some debate kind of about its exact meaning, but, uh, but basically it carries the idea of a rest and a, and a contemplation. Think about what was just said and get ready for what's about to come. They might think of maybe a musical interlude, a moment to kind of, there's no new information coming in the song, maybe, maybe a pause that, that's coming along and, and, and kind of causes you to think about that. Hmm. There are those that are troubling. There are those that uh, are, are slandering him and his God. Let's think about that. And then the tone changes. By the way, it's amazing. Many times David lays out his, all these problems, and it's not really till the very end. All of a sudden he says, but God, you're there for me. And, but it's here, verse number three, he says this, But thou, O Lord. By the way, aren't you thankful for many of the times the word but shows up in the Bible? It's a powerful conjunction. It's like, things seem this way, but there's another thing going on. But thou, O Lord. Boy, just that phrase. <laughs> but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of mine head. Here we see really a threefold blessing with God that, that really he affords those who are, are suffering and, and, and trying to take it patiently. And, and he says, but thou, O Lord, first of all, art a shield for me. Uh, he, it's, he's our defense. Yeah, it is another place the psalmist, uh, David says, says, uh, says uh, thou are the one that defends us, for thou defendest them. You see, we, we like to 
You ever been you ever been slandered? You ever had someone attack your character? Or uh, or say just absolute lies about you? You know what we want to do? <laughs> we say, I want to pray for that person with a two by four. That's how I want to pray for it. That's how spiritual I am, right? <laughs> and, uh, and it's tough. We want to defend ourselves. Remember when Jesus was uh, talking to, uh, to those there, and, and he gives the principle. He says, when someone smites you on the right cheek, all right, give them the other also. And people use that verse to say, you know what? Christians should not fight. Okay? Someone's, a, someone's mugging your family. Well, turn the other cheek. I'm sorry, that verse does not teach Christian pacifism, okay? Yeah, Blake, why don't you come up here? See, you sat in the front. I'm going to give an illustration there, because this is, this is powerful, okay? In the Bible days, much like today, people are predominantly right-handed. If I were to smite you on the right cheek, and I'm right-handed, right? What am I going to do? You know? <laughs> but if, if I'm going to smite your right cheek, what's probably the most likely way I would do it? Backhand. Now, if I was trying to fight somebody, would I slap him? <laughs> he hopes not. <laughs> All right? Might be questioning, you know, uh, what kind of man I am, right? Uh, no, no. What is a backhand say? It's disrespect. It's an insult. You know what Christ is saying? He said, when you are insulted, turn the other cheek. You see reputation and those kind of things will be under attack. What's more important is that my character is intact with God. Thanks, why don't you sit down. Isn't that what the issue was with Joseph in the Old Testament? He left that, he left that uh, um, uh, Potiphar's wife half naked with his coat in her hand. That did not look very good. But his integrity was intact. You see, it's so hard because I want to defend myself and I want to, you know, and, and I've been slandered and, and we even had at one point the church split over a couple of lies and I wanted to start calling around and telling everybody with the story and, and let them know. And, and, I, and really, I had to just sit back and say, what would that accomplish? So I cried to the Lord. That's what I did. And it says here, it says, uh, but thou, Lord, art a shield for me. He's the defender. And then he says, my glory. That's the honor. He's, he's my honor. David here, the best he knows how in this situation so far, he's done right. He says, God, you're going to have to defend me, and you're going to def- you're, you're gonna have to be my honor, my glory. It it's rests in you, God. What are you going to do with this? And then not only that, but my joy, the lifter of my head. Hey, when you're going through a trouble, when you're going through a trial, you, you know, there, there, there'll be times where you can just try to dig deep and say, I'm going to put on a smile, and I'm going to keep going forward. But, but I'll tell you what, there, 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 nothing can replace the joy that only God can bring. How you can walk through a trial with a smile on your face. You can keep going and say, say God's taking me through this, and he is proven himself to be faithful, and maybe not right now. I don't quite know what's going to happen. I don't understand the outcome, but I do know God is faithful. He's done it before, and we're going to go through this thing together. And there's a joy, and there's a hope in that. The lifter of my head. You see, what we like to do, we tend to do is keep our head down. How you doing, brother? 
okay under the circumstances. And, 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 and you know, we start thinking, wow, there's an encouraged Christian. And it's sad and it's draining. We may, you know, have seasons like that, but I'm reminded of that passage uh, uh, Paul said in uh, Philippians 3, uh, verse number 10. And he says, uh, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection. And boy, we love to scream and shout and holler about that one. Praise the Lord. The power of his resurrection. But then he says this, the fellowship of his suffering. There is a fellowship with the Lord that, that really only comes through suffering. And, and there's so many passages we can go to, and, and we don't like to talk about those. We don't like to emphasize those. We, you know, we, we don't like to look at the real context of Romans 8.28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Listen, you don't need to be encouraged and told a good thing in your life is going to work out for good. But you do need to be reminded that that trial is going to be worked out for good. And so, 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 uh, so Peter lays out in his epistle, and he says, he says, this is thankworthy before God, with God. If any man with conscience towards God, enduring grief, suffer wrongfully, this is acceptable with him. And then he gives the divine example. That's exactly what Christ went through. That, that he, he, he did no sin, and neither was guile found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he reviled not again, but committed himself to him who judges all men righteously. What an example. How many times Jesus was slandered, and how many times they went against him, and, and, uh, and, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. That's hard. God, are you sure you're going to defend me? Are you sure you're going to make things right? Because I want to I stand up and defend myself right now. Are you sure? That's when our faith is really tried, because it's like, I, I think I can help God here. I think I can help him out. Verse number four, I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. And there it is again, Selah. You see, when there are trials and danger, we should pray. God will graciously hear. He says, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard my voice. Or, I'm sorry, with my voice. Cried to the Lord with my voice. By the way, does God hear a, a, private, a quiet prayer? A prayer just in your mind? Of course. But there's something about the suffering saint alone in their closet when they, when they actually express it when it comes out there's, there's something about that prayer that, that I'm not going to say it's more powerful before God but I'll tell you what it sure does something in my heart because it's like it, it becomes audible and sometimes all you can do is just cry I cried to the Lord with my voice Sometimes there really are no words to really say, but, but the cry of the heart, God says, I, I exactly hear what you said. I, I perfectly understand what you're saying. You're like, great Lord, because I don't understand what I'm saying. I don't know how to pray in this situation, but I'll pray. And I'm taken back again to Romans 8, where he talks about the Holy Spirit of God, offering up groanings which cannot be uttered, because we, we know not what we, should, we have need of and how to pray. Sometimes it's just that holy groan. Oh! <laughs> and we pray. God graciously hears us, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. 
By the way, when we pray and when we pour it out to God, we should record His answers of grace. We should make note of it. Hey, remember when God answered that prayer? That's why it's good to share testimony, share one another. and It encourages the brethren. We, we see that. We're going to see that in several places in the Psalms where, where it talks about the testimony before the, the holy congregation and so forth, uh, talking about God's goodness and declaring what he has done among the brethren. And, and, uh, and there, there's excitement in that. Wow, God is doing something. Here I thought he was sleeping. Hey, if we're not careful, that, that old devil, he likes to slander, right? God doesn't hear you. He's not doing anything. You see? But we ought to write it down. We ought to, we ought to record it, if you would. We may strengthen ourselves for, a few, in the, for the future by remembering the deliverance of the past. We're going to see that in just a minute. But then he says here again, he ends it with Selah. Let's pause again. Let's think about this. Think about how God has heard us. Think about how he's responded. He's heard us out of his holy hill. Verse number 5. I laid me down and slept. I awaked. For the Lord sustained me. little change of tone here. By the way, it's good to lay down and sleep, isn't it? You ever tossed and turned? I had a, uh, a little uh, toddler crawl into my bed at four in the morning this morning. And usually that happens, and we'll take her back to her bed, and she goes to sleep. Not last night. My wife and I have been up since four in the morning. And uh, how I envied sleep <laughs> last night. But you know, the Bible says that he gives his beloved rest. He gives his beloved sleep. It's a, sleep is a gift from God. And when we're uneasy and we're fighting these battles and our mind is racing, and by the way, uh, some, some of us, there's never greater problem solving that takes place than once you've laid down and pillowed your head. <laughs> now the problem solving begins, Right? And, 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 and you're working out the situation, and you're, you're kind of playing both sides. You're sharing your argument, and you're almost playing it out. Boy, if I was face-to-face -face with that person right now, here's what I would say. And you're kind of going through all this. But notice what he says. I laid me down, and what I do? I slept. I don't know how far along he wrote this psalm from the, the, this trial. But somewhere along the way, he, probably, he said, I finally got some sleep last night. I went through these steps, and I, I got some rest. And he describes the sweet sleeping that God gives, that God awards as we're resting in him. And then, and then notice this. He says, I awaked. Not only a, 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 the, the sleep that he gives, but, but there's, a, there's almost a, a happiness, a joy about awaking, awakening. You ever woken up and just, I don't want to face that problem. It's still there. Can I just stay in bed where it's safe? There's almost two sides of this thing, right? As you're trying to lay down, you can't fall asleep. You're tossing and turning. You finally get to sleep. You slept three or four hours, and you wake up, and you're thinking, I don't want to go out there and face this thing. Can I just go back to sleep? Can I just, what happened? I awaked. For the Lord sustained me. He, he's the one that gave the sleep, and he gave him also the, 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 the sight to get up. By the way, I just want to say this. Sometimes when we're facing problems and we're facing these dilemmas that are just draining us, sometimes some of the best things you can do is go to sleep. For his mercies are new every morning. It's like a restart. It's like a, a reset button. <laughs> Great is thy faithfulness. We can get him to... Okay, Lord, now I'm seeing a little more clearly. Because sometimes at nighttime, your vision's off, right? The things are a little unclear. And you rest and you sleep on it. You get up the next day and you say, I'm seeing some things now. 
I got a little understanding. I'm not so drained. And, and, and you get that fresh vision for it. It's amazing. Verse number 6. After God sustained him, he got some rest. He says, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people. Wow, David, how many are against you here? I will not be afraid of 10,000 people. They have set themselves against me round about. Sounds like a serious problem. 10,000 people round about. Then don't be afraid. Why? He already said earlier, God will be his shield. God's given him this peace enough for him to rest. And he says, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to fear in this situation. What confidence that he's gotten to this point in God. In verse number 7, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. It's not like, like oh, okay, I got some rest. Oh, I'm not going to be afraid. and I'm going to arise myself. Pick myself up by my bootstraps. I'm ready to face the, the army that's waiting for me. I don't know. What does he say? Arise, O Lord. Because you're the same God that fought for Israel when, when the, the walls of Jericho just fell. You're the same God that parted the Red Sea, parted the Jordan River, and, and gave us the promised land as we marched on in. You're the God that did all this. So God, would you arise? Would you fight? Would you step in? Arise, O my Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Now, it's interesting here. I believe what David's doing is he's drawing attention to, to, to his past dealings with his enemies. Thou hast, past tense. Excuse me. Lord, remember when you did it with Saul? Remember when you did it? You know, you just start going through the different battles that he had faced as he fought and he led Israel into battle when he was an armor-bearer, when he was a general, and he's a king. And he goes in, for thou hast. By the way, sometimes in these difficult times when our faith is kind of wavering, we're feeling kind of small, it's very good to dwell on what God has done. What has he done? Yes, we have the word of God, but I'm talking about even in your own life. Here's what God did here, and here's what he did here. My wife and I, we try to be very intentional and from time to time, we'll talk about some things that God did in different times in our life that when, we, when maybe they, we were struggling, God just, just did a miracle or just kind of came through on some things. Why? We don't want, we want them to see some of these victories. And, and remember, even in, all the way back in Deuteronomy, when they talked about, you know, um, uh, you know when, when, they, when they see these, you know, they say, what meaneth these statutes and these judgments and so forth, Deuteronomy 6. And, and in the other places, when they set up the stones after crossing the Jordan, what meaneth these stones? And you tell the next generation, and you pass it on, because you don't want to fall into, uh, what is it, uh, 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 Judges 3 or 4 or 5, one of the early chapters, and it says, then there arose a generation which knew not the Lord, neither the things that he had done. See, I don't want that to happen. So for my own sake and for my own heart to keep going forward for the Lord, I need to remember some of those things. And for my children's sake, we need to remember some of those things and reflect on these things and, and remember the goodness of God and say, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies. That's what he did. And has set themselves against, uh, I'm sorry, sorry, and uh, 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 smitten them upon the cheekbone and has broken the teeth of the ungodly. He describes the Lord's past dealings, thou hast, and showed this kind of a, a, a constant report. He says, oh Lord, oh my God. I love that, 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 that personal aspect of it. 
And it's not like this faraway cry, God, if you're out there, I need your help now. But it's it's, it's this personal thing. You're my God. And you've done it before. Would you do it again? He's so stirred, he asked God to arise and, you know, kind of urges uh, uh, believers to use the Lord's past victories in our own lives to, for, for God to, to prevail, if you would, to, to, to conquer yet again. And, and we see there, verse number 8. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Now, in this tense, what salvation are we talking about? In the, ten, in the context, what we're talking about. What, 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 what salvation are we referring to here? Deliverance from his enemies. Absolutely. A very specific situation. And we always want to make sure we're, we're grasping the context before we run to application or kind of get, get the whole picture here. But, but, but deliverance. God, you gave me this kingdom. If I'm going to keep this kingdom, it's got to be because of you. And so he, so he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. But let me just say, as we're talking about trials, and as we're talking about these things, I think a lot of people will take this and maybe run to, uh, to our, our, our salvation, of the idea of being saved. And, and, and I'm sure we can look at the application there. But, but I think even more specifically, uh, uh, identifying with this psalm, we're talking about these trials we go through, and we talk about things that we're going to face. Let me just say, through those things, yes, there are salvations that God has to bring us to in our own lives. There, and we, we, might, we might call it different things. Like you said, deliverance. We, we might call it victories, right? But it's the Lord's victories. And that's the key. You know, God does not like when we delight in the flesh, when we take, uh, when we are, um, uh, what's the word? That, that, when, our, when we, we glory in the flesh. God likes it when we glory in Him. And you look through the Bible, and especially the Old Testament, you're going to find God asking people to do a lot of things that they could not do in their own strength. (laughs) I mean, over and over again. Moses? (laughs) Boy, we can just go down the line with all the things God had Moses do. I want you to to take care of these griping, complaining Israelites through the wilderness. How many times Moses interceded on their behalf? Uh, Moses, I want you to deliver them out of Egypt. And he did all the plagues and everything, and all, all to come to the edge here of this Red Sea. We're doomed. We're done. I'll just keep going, Moses. Keep going. There's a Red Sea right there. And he raises up the rod, and they cross over. And did Moses do that in his own strength? Not a chance. Did the walls fall in Jericho with their own strength? Yeah, they caused enough rumbling in the ground when they marched around. It just fell down. And you see these skeptics trying to reason through everything. You know, it wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea. And they went through this, this mushy area. Oh yeah, well then that's an even bigger miracle, how they drowned in a pond. Okay? <laughs> no, it's God to Salvation's of the Lord, and He's the one that brings it. And then, uh, and then notice what it says, Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah, think about that. Pause, reflect on that. You see, we are blessed in Christ, we're blessed through Christ, and we're going to be blessed with Christ. Of him, to him, and through him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. You see, that's, that's what Christ does. And this, this salvation that belongs to the Lord, hey, I thank God that I'm saved. I'm saved from my sin, and I I thank God that I have a home in heaven, but I want to say this, that God wants to still give us some victories here on this earth. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. 
and, and, and you know, you have all these passages, how God is going to cause us to triumph and so forth. Now, uh, does that mean the Christian life is without, without any kind of hardship, or without any kind of trials? You miss the whole message. But it's that we have a God who's going to walk with us through them, strengthen us in them, teach us something along the way, and salvation's of the Lord. I love the Psalms because you see what David's going through. You see how he responds. And, and we can say, man, there's so many trials that come my way. And you, you see this confidence within it. By the way, are the Psalms inspired, yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. You mean David used a murderer? Absolutely. <laughs> I know that encourages my soul. I don't know what it does to yours, but that encourages me. He used a murderer. And uh, here we're being blessed by it today. And so I want to challenge you as you go through difficulties, trials, things that come our way, uncertainties in life. Hey, he's my shield, my glory, the lifter of my head. We don't need to be like the defeated heathen, scared all the time. What's happening with this pandemic? It's going to kill us all. Okay? And... By the way, what's the worst that could happen to me if this pandemic kills me? <clears throat> All right, I get an upgrade. I get a promotion. But, but, but the reality is, is I don't have to fear tomorrow. I'm not confused by this, by this stuff. By the way, the Bible tells me there's going to be a lot of things going on. There's going to be pestilence. There are going to be earthquakes in Alaska, diverse places. They're going to be things. But you know what? These should cause us to say, you know, lift up your head. Redemption draweth nigh. I'm excited about this. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the uppertaker. <laughs> I believe he's coming. That should encourage us. Salvation is of the Lord. And, uh, and, and let me just say, something about that is contagious. You see, you want to be around a David. You do. When you, when you see a David in your life, not just having the name, I mean like, like David in the Bible, who's got such confidence in the Lord, a whole army is trembling behind rocks and stones, right? While the giants down there in the valley, blaspheming God. And this teenage boy walks up. How come nobody's doing anything? Have you seen the size of him? To him, that was irrelevant. He said, what's more important is God's name. He is blaspheming the name of our God, my God. He took it so personal that he said, I'll go. And, 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 and you know, you see that heart in David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. He, he, he had this heart for God that, that he was so concerned. In fact, his passion towards the end of his life, he wanted so desperately to see God's temple built. And there's a phrase in the Bible, I just love it because it's just a funny word, but he says he wanted to have an exceeding, magnificent house for the Lord. And God said, no, you have blood on your hands. Your son's going to build it. So what did David do? Fine. Walked away. No, no. He's like, all right, Solomon, here's all the gold. Here are all the workers. Here's all the stuff, anything you possibly need. Why? Because God's name is to be praised. He needs a house. You see, you want to be around a David. 
something about that. And I think when we, when, we, when we have that kind of a confidence that even in trials, and by the way, people see us when we go through sufferings, when we go through some things. We start having that kind of an influence. You ever wonder why those group of discouraged, indebted, um, what was the other, there were like three D words that described his mighty men. <laughs> They're destitute. Uh, uh, these guys, you ever wonder why they were willing to follow him with no promise of provision, with no promise of anything? There was something about David's spirit that drew them. And he had these men that just said, David, we're with you. And if, if you perish, we perish. Something about that. And so I think, I think God wants us to be some mighty men and women that have that kind of confidence in God. Amen. Hope is encouragement to you tonight. And as we look at that, as we go through trials, they will come, I promise. Young people right here, they're coming. Store this away, because you're going to need it. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for our time together tonight. Thank you for the word of God. What encouragement it gives us. The things which were done uh, aforetime were written for our learning and admonition that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. And what hope you give us, Lord, as we've seen the victories that you've brought and the things that you did back then and things you've done in our own lives, Lord, and to have confidence that you're going to do some more things tomorrow. That salvation is of the Lord. What a great God we serve. We love you, Father. I pray that as we go our separate ways, you... You'll protect us, watch over us, and keep our hearts close to you, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.